0: check everyone can hear me all right amen let's turn in our bibles to the book of matthew chapter 18 tonight 18 we're going to read from verse 1 to 4 and then amen we are also going to read a text from mark chapter 10 so if you want to grab that as well amen A kindergarten teacher was walking around the classroom, observing the students while they were drawing and stopping at one of the desks of the children. Uh, One of the little girls who was working hard on her drawing, the teacher asked her, What are you drawing? The girl replied, I'm drawing God. The teacher paused and then said, But no one knows what God looks like. Without missing a bead or looking up from her drawing, the girl replied, They will when I'm done. Amen. I want to preach a sermon tonight that I've titled, Like a Child. Amen. Uh, I read these uh, little notes. A pastor received these letters from some of the children in his congregation. They went like this. One little boy, his name was Peter, age nine, he said, Please say in your sermon, Peter Peterson has been a good boy all week. I am Peter Peterson. Sincerely, Peter. Another little boy wrote, I know God loves everybody, but he's never met my sister. Yours sincerely, Arnold. Another young girl said, I'm sorry, I can't put more money in the offering. But my father didn't give me a raise in my allowance. Could you please do a sermon about giving me a raise? Love, Patty. Stephen wrote, I would like to go to heaven someday because I know that my brother won't be there. <laughs> uh, and then Ralph said this I liked your sermon on Sunday, Pastor, especially when it was finished. <laughs> Amen. Hopefully that's not the case tonight. Amen. (laughs) Let's read our text, Matthew 18 and verse 1 to 4. At that time the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child to him and set him in the midst of them and said, Assuredly I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Let's jump to Mark chapter 10. I'm going to read from verse 13 to verse 15. It says, Then they brought little children to him, That he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Amen. Firstly, tonight I want to talk about childlike, not childish. And then when Jesus says that we must become like little children, he is obviously not talking about becoming childish, right? There is a big difference between being childlike and being childish. The Bible is full of admonitions, instructions for believers to grow up, amen? The Bible tells us that we need to mature in the faith. Hebrews 5, 12 to 13. Paul writes to the Hebrews and he rebukes them. He says, You have been believers for so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant And doesn't know how to do what is right. Paul is rebuking them saying, why are you still on formula? You guys should be eating steaks by now. Grow up. 1 Corinthians 14.20 says, Dear brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your understanding of these things. Be innocent as babies when it comes to evil, but be mature in your understanding of matters of this kind talking about the Word of God. Back in, our, back in Mark chapter 9, we read here, We find in Mark 9 the context for this scripture that we've just read in Matthew 18, when they come to Jesus and say, who is the greatest? It says in Mark 9, 33 to 37, then Jesus came to Capernaum, and when they got to the house, he asked them, what was that that you were arguing among yourselves on the road? But they kept silent, for on the road they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. And then when he sat down, he called the twelve and said to them, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and set him in the midst of them. And then from then is where we pick up our text in Matthew 18. In light of this, we see that Jesus is rebuking the disciples. For being childish. And maybe it's because just earlier on in Matthew we read that Peter, James and John went with Jesus to the Mount of Transfiguration. They're up there on the mountain. They see Jesus in his heavenly form. They see Moses and Elijah come down. Amen. It's glorious. And as they come back uh, to be with the other 12, maybe they're thinking, you know what? We're the greatest. We're the chosen three. You guys didn't get to come up with us. We're the greatest in the kingdom. And so they begin. maybe that's why they begin to argue. But whatever the reason, Jesus is saying, this is childish. And what he did, he calls over this little child. And he begins to school them by using the example of this child. In verse 3 of Matthew 18, it says, And, and he said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless... You are converted and become as a little child. You will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. We know, amen, that we need to grow in our relationship with God. That we need to become mature believers, growing in our grace and knowledge of Christ, as it says in 2 Peter 3.18. So what Jesus is talking about is he's talking about us having a childlike quality in the way that we approach God. A childlike quality in the way that we come to God. Amen. How many of you have kids tonight? You've got kids. How many of you remember, maybe it wasn't so long ago that you were kids. And then you remember... You had, kids just have an insatiable curiosity about everything. Right? They want to know how everything works. Kids love pestering adults with questions. One of the, one of the big questions, but why? Right? Kids are always asking. and the, Because they realize that, they're looking at something, they realize, I don't know what that is, or I don't know how that works. And I want to find out. And so they ask they want to find out stuff. Someone once said, don't be upset that your kids pester you with questions. Be honoured that they think you know the answers. <laughs> Amen? But this is the heart of a child. It's a childlike humility. Right? They're not afraid of asking questions when they realise that they don't know something. The story was told of a father and a son who went fishing one day after a couple of hours out on the boat the boy suddenly became curious about the world around him he asked his father how does this boat float the father thought for a moment then replied you know I I don't rightly know son the boy returned to his contemplation then turned back to his father dad how do fish breathe underwater once again the father replied you know what I don't know. A little later, the boy asked his father, Why is the sky blue? Again, the father replied, You know what? I don't know. Worried he was going to annoy his dad, the kid asked, Dad, do you mind me asking you all these questions? Of course not, son, the father replied. If you don't ask questions, you'll never learn anything. In this instance, he didn't learn anything anyway. Right, So when your kids have this humility, they want to ask questions. They know that they don't know the answers. The problem is, is that kids grow up. They become teenagers. And they stop asking questions because all of a sudden, they know everything that there is to know about anything. What's happened? They've lost their humility. In our text, the disciples are getting a lesson in humility. Jesus says to them, Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. He says, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is talking to his disciples here and his disciples, right? Those who are following him, who've been following him for his entire ministry. And he said to them, you need to be converted. Converted from what? Right? They have a sinful mindset, a carnal mindset. I mean, how many know what sin is? Right? Sin is rebellion against God's law. In essence, sin is doing things your way. Right, God has said, I want you to obey these laws. I want you to act like this. And you say, no, I'm going to do things my way. I'm going to do what I want. In essence, that is sin. Rebellion against God. Jesus said in Matthew 20, verses 25 to 26, But Jesus called the disciples to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are... Great exercise authority over them, yet it shall not be among you. He's saying, You know what? This is how sinners think. This is how they think that you become great so that you can tell other people what to do. You can exercise authority. But Jesus is saying, This isn't how the kingdom works. Jesus is warning his disciples, You're in danger of becoming religious. Religion, right? Religion is all about you trying to make your way to God. You doing it your way. That's the essence of religion. How many times do we talk to people on the streets and we tell them, hey, if we try and witness to them, are you going to heaven? Yes. Why? Because I'm a good person. Why are you good? Because I go to church, because I do this, because I do that. Right? They're doing it their own way. And then you begin to say, no, the Bible says you're a sinner, You need to repent. Oh, I'm not a sinner. I've I've got this. I've got this. Jesus is reminding his disciples, don't become like that. It's not about how great I am. That's not what gets you into the kingdom. What gets you in is becoming humble. Humble. Romans 12.3 says, Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given us. This is pride, to think of yourself more highly than you are. We know, Amen, the dangers of having too high an opinion of ourselves. Right? We all know James four six. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. How many want God resisting their lives? How many know you're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven if God's resisting you? James four ten. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. And he will lift you up. What does it mean to humble ourselves before God? Number one, it means that we become, we place ourselves in a position of dependence upon him. How many know little kids are naturally dependent upon their parents? Isn't that true? They depend on you for food. They depend on you for clothing. They can't make it through life without you. The Bible says in the same way, especially when they're first born, they cannot even live without you. Feeding them, caring for them, wiping their butt. Right? In the same way in the Christian life, to humble ourselves means to make ourselves dependent upon God. God. I know that my way isn't good enough. This is what we do when we get saved. We get down on our knee. We say, God, I confess that I'm a sinner. That my way isn't good enough. And I turn to you and I depend on Christ for my salvation. But we don't stop doing that once we get saved. This is a continual conversion in our lives. As we continually come before God. Say, God, I depend on you. I need you. The danger is when we become self-reliant. God lifts us up from our darkness, from our despondency, from the mire, from the clay. He lifts us up, he puts our feet on solid ground and now all of a sudden we think we can do this on our own. We're thinking, hey, look how great I am. Just like the disciples. Hey, 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 who's the greatest here, Jesus? Who's the greatest among us? She says, Guys, you're missing the point. You need to become like a child. How many know it's natural for kids to trust their parents to provide for them? And in the same way, we need to trust God. The Bible says, Amen, in Matthew 6, 31. Which one of you, if, his, if your kid asks you for bread, will give him a stone? In the same way, your Father in heaven gives good gifts to those who ask of him. Right? This is our God. We can depend on him. We can trust in him. And we need to come like children. Like a child. Lastly tonight... Let's talk about childlike faith. In our second text, Mark 10, verse 13, Then they brought little children to him, that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly I say to you, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. In, our, in this text, amen, this is another instance where Jesus Christ is talking to children. Jesus is talking about having a childlike quality in the way that we believe God. Right? We've talked about a childlike quality in the way that we come before God with humility. He's our Father in heaven. But here, Jesus is talking about a childlike quality in the way that we believe God. uh, Evangelist Steve Zapata on Monday night, he said this one line, and this kind of stirred this sermon. He said, unless you see with the eyes of a child, you will never see the kingdom of God. Unless you see with the eyes of a child, you will never see the kingdom of God. I mean, I'm thinking about your theme for the year. Where is the God of miracles? I I just preached that sermon the other week in my church. The God of miracles. How many know you're not going to see miracles in your life if you don't see with the eyes of a child? With eyes of wonder. How many know when you're a kid, you believe crazy things? Right? Not because you're gullible, but because you view the world with wonder. You view the world in such a way that anything is possible. That's why when your parents tell you that a fat man in a, in a red suit rides around, in a flying sleigh led by flying reindeer, when you're a kid, you believe that. You believe in fairy tales. Because why not? Why can't, why can't he ride around in a flying sleigh? Who says? We believe because our parents tell these stories that they're true. But as we grow up, we lose that sense of wonder. We lose that sense of the extraordinary, that things are alive, that things are amazing. Because as we, whether it's because when you were growing up, you had older siblings, they began to tease you. How, How can you believe in Santa Claus? You're stupid. Santa Claus isn't real. And then all of a sudden you realize, man, my parents have been lying to me. Why do you believe in those silly stories? For others, you might have stopped stopped believing the things that your parents told you. Because as time went by, they continued to tell you stories or they made promises to you that they never kept. And so you lost faith in them. You lost your sense of trust, of wonder. Maybe for others, that childlike trust that you had was abused by someone that you looked up to. They stole your innocence and your wonder from your life much too young. So you lose that, that precious thing about being a child. You know, sometimes we need to let our kids be kids. If They come up with fanciful stories. Man, that's, that's awesome. Rather than say, oh no, that's not, that's not, that's not. Encourage that sense of wonder, that imagination. Because when we come into the kingdom of God, we need to come to God in that way. The Bible says, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. How many of you know kids have no problem ch- trusting their parents? They jump off, you know, into the pool the other day. I was there, and there's this little girl. And we're there at the pool and she's like trying to get her dad's attention. She turns around and she just leaps out. Just, her dad, just in the nick of time, catches her. I mean, we need to be like that with God. Ask Him for impossible things. How many know we're not going to see any miracles if we don't ask? James says you have not because you ask not. Many times that's the reason why we never receive from God. Because we don't trust Him. We've lost that trust. People have burnt us. We're not sure. God, it's it's a stupid request. I don't want to bother God with this in my life. Or God's got so much. He's not going to care about me and my little problem. How many know the Bible tells us that his eye is on the sparrow? The Bible tells us that He numbers every hair on our head, that He cares about us. And Jesus is telling His disciples to come to God with this childlike faith to believe Him for the supernatural, to believe Him in your life that He can do miracles. Amen. I read this story. Dr. Helen Rosevear, who is a missionary to Zaire, told the story a mother at their mission died after giving birth to a premature baby. We tried to improvise an incubator to keep the infant alive. But the only hot water bottle we had was beyond rep- repair. So we asked the children to pray for the baby and her sister. One of the girls responded, Dear God, please send a hot water bottle today. Tomorrow will be too late, because by then the baby will be dead. And dear Lord, send a doll for the sister so she won't feel so lonely. That very afternoon, A large package arrived from England. The children watched eagerly as we opened it. Much to their surprise, under some clothing, was a hot water bottle. Immediately, the girl who had prayed so earnestly started to dig deeper, exclaiming, if God sent that, I'm sure he also sent the doll. And as she began to look through the box, she was right. She found a little doll. The lady, Dr. Helen, then went on to say, "The Heavenly Father knew in advance of that child's sincere request, and five months earlier, He had led a group to include both of those specific articles." How many know you? we don't ask, we don't receive if we don't ask? How many can believe God for some crazy things this year? Amen, we want to see miracles. We want to see that back wall filled up with all the miracles that God wants to do. Amen, we still serve a God of miracles who heals the sick, who opens blinded eyes, who brings restoration in families, who saves and transforms lives. And on our flyers, we have that little catchphrase, a church where Jesus Christ is still changing lives. That's this church too, right? Jesus Christ is still moving. We need to come with a childlike attitude of approach, of humility, and a childlike attitude of faith tonight. Amen. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes.